0: No. I just wanted to tell you something. What's wrong? We're going to announce today that we ended keeping up with the Kardashians. Stop. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton.
1: And I'm not Madison Malone Kircher. And you're listening to ICYMI, in case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture.
0: In case you somehow missed it, that voice was um, not Madison's. It was our producer Daniel Schrader.
1: Hi, everybody. So excited to be here. Also, Madison who?
0: We're not gonna, we can't drag Madison. (laughs) Madison is on vacation. Um, She's living her best life in LA, which, you know, love that for her. But Daniel's joining us, which I'm so excited about, not least because the topic we are discussing is um, tailor-made for Daniel. We are talking about reality television, one of my favorite topics.
1: The great American art form.
0: (laughs) One of Daniel's favorite art forms. Specifically, we are talking about keeping up with the Kardashians, which is coming to an end. It's the end of an era.
1: Cue Danny Boy, (laughs) bagpipes playing, the song Remember Me from Coco. (laughs) What? Hold on. We're not getting that
0: sad. (laughs) (laughs) It may be the end of an era of reality television, but in a lot of ways, it's kind of just the beginning of a new social media era for the Kardashian-Jenner empire. Today, we're going to take you through 14 years and 20 seasons of Kardashian history and how it intersects with the influencer industry. Okay,
1: whoa, 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 Rachel. We're not going (laughs) to get that deep into it. If we were, we'd be here for probably a full year.
0: I mean what are you talking about? There's just what? Chloe's DUI, Kim's kidnapping, whatever the fuck Courtney and Scott are always doing, the Kanye of it all. That's, Caitlyn not, Jenner. that's not too much. Yeah, that's not too much. That's not too not. much. Of course not. Of
1: course not. Um but <laughs> Just so we don't bite off more than we can chew, we are planning on comparing the early seasons when they haven't really figured out what social media fame is like to the most recent season where it seems like social media isn't just a form of PR for them, but actually is an integral storyline that drives the show forward and allows them to break the internet.
0: It's going to be a lot of bad jokes. Buckle up.
1: (laughs) We'll hear you Kardashian away from the mic.
0: So as we started off by saying we're both reality television addicts, I guess, is perhaps the best way to describe it. I started watching The Kardashians, I think, when it first began airing in 2007. I watched it from the first season up until about, I believe, the second season of Courtney and Kim Take Miami. But Daniel, tell me, give me your reality television bona fides.
1: So I have been a deep watcher of The Real Housewives for years, it seems like at this point, Um, and have always considered trying out The Kardashians. But I think I, I tried it like once, four or five years ago, and just found it so boring and empty that I was like, why is anybody engaging in this at all? And then I put on the final season on Monday and have now watched... All of that, I watched all of season one. I watched all of season two. I've done a lot of research for this (laughs) podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's research. It's work. I mean, we're kind of coming from the same place in a way. I skipped somewhere around, I think, 10 years of Kardashian history. Like, I did not see the interceding seasons between, like, 2010 and the last season. So we're pretty much the same in where we're coming from with Kardashian knowledge. But the thing about the Kardashians is... You don't actually need to watch the show to keep up with them. In fact, that is kind of the point of the show. The show has become this response to their social media. It's become like another arm of their PR campaign, whereas before it was generating plot lines for their social media. Now the social media is the actual plot line. But before we get into all that, just like a very, very, very brief history of Kardashians pre-reality television. We're not really going to get into the OJ of it all. No, that's too far back. <laughs> it's too far back. But the Kardashians actually came out of the 2007 writer strike, which is really when the kind of reality television that we're used to became super ubiquitous, this form where it's basically following a random, semi-famous person through their lives and giving us a kind of peek into what they're doing. Kind of a a proto-social media in a way, because it was before Instagram, it was before Twitter, really were a thing. And so the Kardashians rose to fame after Kim's sex tape, uh, Kim Kardashian's superstar with Ray J, was leaked to the public in February of 2007. Before that, she was known as kind of a... Paris Hilton hanger-on.
1: She was Paris Hilton's stylist.
0: A Paris Hilton (laughs) (laughs) hanger-on. But, I mean, the Ray J point is kind of important in that Kim K's fame has always kind of inextricably been linked with Black men. But Keeping Up With The Kardashians started in October of that year. So just a few short months after that sex tape leaked, E network was like, "All right, we're going to follow this family <laughs> through their lives because of this one thing that has made them famous."
1: Yeah, and watching the first season, it's really wild to see how vastly different their lives have changed in these 14 years because that first season they are running a boutique. They like don't even encounter the internet really until the second season when they're trying to like make a website for Dash, and there's a bunch of, like, nonsense storylines around that. And also, like, Kim and Courtney feel like Chloe is lonely, so they put her on a dating site without her knowledge and set her up on a bunch of blind dates. But, like, that's really the type of internet they're playing with. Social media hasn't been a thing yet. In many ways, the
0: Kardashians created a new kind of fame for themselves that wasn't based off of any skill set. (laughs) Like they weren't actors. They didn't really do anything. They don't have any kind of like hard skills. They're just famous for being pretty and alive and having drama.
1: (laughs) I think you have to credit them with mainstreaming influencer culture.
0: Oh, 100%. They created a new kind of like socialite fame where before you had to be like the child of like a Vanderbilt. But the Kardashians created this thing where you could just be famous for existing because you were pretty and you take good photos on Instagram.
1: Honestly, when I first heard about them back in probably like the mid-2010s, I wasn't aware of who Robert Kardashian was as the lawyer in the OJ case. I was aware of them as like cultural influences themselves. I knew Mm -hmm. of Kim because of her connection to Kanye, because of her breaking the internet in 2014 because of all of these other, according to paper magazine, um, (laughs) all of these like iconic modern cultural moments, as opposed to like their old connection to fame.
0: Yeah. I mean, speaking of breaking the internet, we are now going to zoom through another very brief timeline of internet events between that first season where there was no internet. And this most recent season where, the internet is perhaps the only real storyline on the show besides the show ending. There's the Break the Internet cover. There's the Bound 2 video with Kanye. Do you remember when that came out?
1: Oh, yes, of course. That
0: was Bam. just such a moment in time. And Like then I a remember green that was that screen s-
1: with them on a motorcycle or something? Yes.
0: What you doing in the club on
1: a Thursday? She said she only here for a girl
0: There were all of the sisters' various marriages
1: and relationships. There's the Kim Kardashian Hollywood game, which I have to admit, I downloaded in 2014, (laughs) even though I'd never watched the Kardashians before.
0: And then I think around that was when they started launching, like, the makeup brands. And then there was Kendall's Pepsi commercial. And then there was the Skims kimono controversy. I mean, there was the entire Jordan Woods with Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson thing. There was Caitlyn Jenner coming out as trans. There is this way in which their internet fame has outgrown the reach they have on this show. People just started using social media more and as the Kardashian-Jenner squad started kind of harnessing the power of social media, I didn't need to watch the show.
1: Yeah, social media started just, like, providing you all of this kimmagery.
0: I mean, the platform that she has kind of created for herself, but the show is a vehicle for it, and social media kind of becoming the engine, has outpaced, like, the show has kind of no longer has utility in a way.
1: Well, we're going to take a break to catch our breath and post some selfies. And when we get back, we'll be covering how the latest season of this show has become fully immersed in the Kardashian social media experience. (laughs) And why, even though they'll be off our TV screens, they're never really going to leave our lives ever again.
0: Grim, but true. I think like clips on That's TikTok. She right. sees like it's a popular TikTok where like they they do the crying scene uh, from the Bora. yeah, or yeah. right. pretty much all my crying scenes. So she sees that stuff and she'll come in and yeah. go, Mom, I lost my hearing. My hearing's gone. <laughs> oh my God, I'm gonna cry. I got my earrings. <laughs> oh she'll God. like do that That's as funny. a joke, and I'm just was, like, you have no idea what that is. Right. Okay, we're back, and as you just heard. The Kardashians have reached singularity with their own online presence. It's just this um, feedback loop where they are responding and reacting to things that are happening online about them on the show that was initially created to make their online presence bigger.
1: Yeah, as we heard in that clip with Scott and Kim talking about North and the other kids encountering the show. Fully decontextualized from its original content and just as memes on TikTok.
0: Daniel, people are dying.
1: Damn it. I was about to say, Rachel, <laughs> there are people that are dying.
0: <laughs> I knew you were. I had to, uh. I had to beat you too. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's become a meme at this point. Like, I, that was one of the thoughts I had watching this final season. I was just like, wow, um... Kim has really stayed true to her ugly crying face because when she's telling the cast, like, a producer is just like, we're ending the show, I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. There's the gift.
1: It's so funny that, like, her kid... And, of course, this makes sense. I just hadn't really thought about it consciously. But, like, of course her kids have... And all of the kids in the Kardashian universe have only really, like, encountered the show through memes.
0: And it's incredible because it's not something you could have guessed from the very first season. Like... The fame of this family has extended so far beyond the original context of the show that their children don't even need to have seen any of it to have seen the kind of highlights of it. And you can kind of see that in the final season, where compared to the first season where the kind of storylines are all external, in the final season, they are all just fully within the Kardashian universe. They are largely just problems that only affect the Kardashians and that fully come from the
1: fact that they are online capital O. And like the thinking is always about like how is this affecting my online brand and that's why honestly I think Courtney is she's an interesting case in this most recent season because of her friendship with former subject of the show Addison, Addison
0: Ray. Ray, Yes when Addison Ray showed up I was just like it's this cross-generational influencer moment. They're of such
1: different Cross-generational.
0: They're of such different times on the internet. I mean, like no you cannot imagine when you're looking at the way the Kardashians came up to then see Addison Rae's trajectory later on, which is like a, diff- a completely different format, a completely different app but also very much kind of the same mold, which is this person who is aggressively average in many ways besides being rich and white, just creating this massive platform for themselves off of these apps.
1: And off of the Black people's creations on those apps. Addison Ray, as our episode that we did a few months ago, we interviewed TikTok dance creators that were Black children that Addison gained fame from doing their dances herself.
0: yes. Exactly. And it's like, so in so many ways, they seem so different, but are ultimately the same. And I I wonder if that's why they get along so well. But it is, it's so wild just watching them interact and seeing Courtney be like, because the way Addison Rae is introduced is that I believe Courtney knows David Dobrik.
1: Yeah, we actually have a clip where Courtney is talking about how much her eleven year old son, Mason, loves him.
0: Who is this guy you wished a happy birthday to? Oh, David Dobrik. But who is that? He's just like a YouTuber. Is did Addison bring him in? Like how did you No, meet him? no. That's how I met Addison. Got it. it was through him. Mason loves his YouTubes Mm -hmm. and then Harry was like oh my god I'm friends with him so we called him on FaceTime and then he was like why don't you guys come over on Sunday he knew that Mason loved Addison so he brought her and had her hiding in the trunk of his car and he was like Mace who's your favorite TikToker and then he was like talking about Addison and then Addison was hiding in the trunk and then she like popped out at the end and then Mason was like oh my gosh Mason loves his YouTubes. <laughs> I th-
1: I think it's so funny that it seems like Courtney is indulging so much in the uh, YouTuber-influencer economy to stay connected to her children.
0: Yeah. I mean, in some ways it's like, are you actually divorced from this specific set of the influencer economy that you have partially, you know, pioneered? And to hear Kim just be like, Who is that? And it's like, oh, you don't actually have to be up on any of this stuff anymore. I mean, it makes me wonder who's kind of gaining more out of each interaction. Addison doesn't need them and they don't need her. And so it's like, is this genuine or is this a business relationship? I think maybe three or four years ago, it kind of would have been unthinkable to have an influencer in the room with the Kardashians and think, the Kardashians are not obviously, like, helping their brand. And I do wonder how much of the show ending has to do with the fact that in terms of kind of influencer stardom, the show isn't actually helping much.
1: Well, and, like, for all that I really enjoyed this most recent season, and it's kind of what made me want to go back and watch old seasons of it, I think that the just amount of social media plotline shows how much less they actually have to work with than they did in the past. Everything feels too tied up in like what's already played out online. As you mentioned earlier in the show, like them messaging about quitting the show, they have this whole conversation about like, should we keep doing it? Should we not? And that then turns into a like, how do we message together on our social media pages about this decision? And so then the plot line of the episode that we are watching is about how they are announcing this thing that we already experienced them Mm -hmm. announce five, six months ago.
0: So we have about 30 minutes before the news is going to be online, and we have to use those 30 minutes to try to tell the world this is all coming to an end. I know how upset I am about the show ending, but for some reason, I just always forget many lives the show has touched people you know they love the show and so we're all i mean what's so interesting about the show is that pretty much for the last decade of the show's run because of like the inherent filming delay the show has just become a way to respond to the social media headlines we've already seen and so it has this built-in hype because Something like the Jordan Woods scandal would happen, or Kim's kidnapping, or the Kylie Pepsi commercial, or the announcement of the show ending would happen. We would see it play out online. And then you would know be addressed as a plot line on the show. And it it ended up becoming a way for them to just message the story. Like the show was a vehicle for them to address what was already happening on social media. And so In many ways the show was not actually about them. It was about, or it wasn't about what was happening in that moment. It was a way to just respond or just be an extension to their social media rather than the first half of the show where it was the other way around. So the fact that the shows managed to continue with the level of kind of access we have to their lives through Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and still become
1: this access that people still want, wild. So one thing that I noticed about the show watching it uh, during the quarantine season is that I finally understood the show in a way I hadn't before, because... Ooh, tell me more. Because even though there's all of the accoutrements of extra plot lines that are clearly fabricated, like the Spartan Run competition they do, which we're not going to get into, or Chloe and Kim going to a underground bunker, (laughs) uh, another thing we don't need to get into, but like the show, for all that it's about that, it's not really about that. It's actually about these like very intimate, relatable, familial conversations. And that even though they have distanced themselves so much from the modern American family in their level of wealth and fame, what this show really comes down to is the intimacy of family.
0: I mean, I think that's very much kind of a new direction of the show. I mean, having not watched it for about, I think, a decade I was really struck by how nice they were to each other compared to the earlier seasons. And I mean, I think the first few seasons of the show before their social media fame really started to pick up, the show was a way to kind of self mythologize. But Instagram and Twitter then became the way that they showed their influence rather than through this kind of like flashy, bitchy, diva behavior on the show. And so because they now have this other platform through which to show and demonstrate their influence, the actual Kardashian like Keeping Up show became a lot softer, a lot more humanizing
1: and intimate because it's so much easier to self mythologize in these social media curated ways than it is on camera.
0: Yeah, exactly. So then the show became
1: a way to humanize.
0: Yeah, exactly. To kind of is a way to be more intimate.
1: They didn't have to be on in the way mm-hmm. that they used to have to be on. Their yeah. onness is on social media. So then exactly. they can turn off and actually like be people.
0: Yeah, I mean also I feel like so much of that turn comes from the fact that they also have so much creative control over the show now versus the first few seasons. You can see how much creative control the family has over the show just in the way they kind of talk about Kanye during this season or not talk about Kanye. Yeah, I mean, the announcement of the divorce hadn't happened, I believe, during the filming of this season. But Kanye comes up at one point, and Kim mentions flying out to see him. But there's also this point at which someone brings up Kanye, and Kim's like, I'm not going to have this conversation on camera. Which, I don't think they would have had the ability to do that in the early seasons. And also goes to show that even though it seems kind of, like, softer and more intimate than in the early seasons, it's still very much like, an extension of their social media brand. Like, this is, again, a giant PR machine that is incredibly effective because I am not a Kardashian sympathizer, but watching the show, I was like, oh. Like, I remember why I used to watch this and why I thought that y'all were okay for the first, like, what however many seasons that I watched. And I'm kind of really interested to see what's going to happen to their social media presence once they no longer have access to this kind of, like, really humanizing PR apparatus.
1: And I'm really curious about what's going to happen to their social media presence as their children become social media conscious. And as these kids who have been born on the show, as we've said, and grew up on the show, become able to run their own accounts and able to like promote themselves or not like are they going to all embrace the easy transition into influencer culture like their family kind of has paved the way for them or are we gonna see some rebellion
0: like is rain gonna be i don't know like a fucking orthopedic surgeon privately living her life
1: <laughs> yeah seriously i hope that northwest just becomes an accountant. <laughs>
0: I feel like there's no like I I don't know, the the kind of mythologizing around that child, I cannot imagine she's just gonna be an accountant. I mean when you have a mom that's Kim and a dad that's Kanye, can you really just become an accountant?
1: Who's to say? I guess we'll have to just wait and see. <laughs> but if you do, North could you do my taxes? <laughs>
0: Okay, that's the show. We will be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. It's free, and the best way to never miss an episode. Madison will be back for the next episode, so, you know, you'll get her sweet dulcet tones back. R.I.P. me. R.I.P. Daniel. In the meantime, leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars if you're so inclined, and if you're in a group chat that, you know, asks for podcast recommendations... Tell your friends about us. If you've got, you know, a reality television show that you want to talk to us about. An Instagram post that you
1: think is about to break the internet.
0: Or you just want to know what poosh is. (laughs) (laughs) Drop us a note at at slate.com or follow us on Twitter at icymi underscore pod.
1: Isuimi is produced by me, Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman is Slate's culture editor, and Gabe Roth is editorial director of audio. See you online or not? I feel like I didn't actually get enough bad jokes in this show.
0: <laughs> you did. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> I'm still thinking about generational. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> this is the story of the one.